This is a Radio 1 91FM podcast. This past week saw a critical development in the regional geopolitical landscape of the Indo-Pacific. This past Friday, Japan's former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated while giving a speech in support of his ruling Liberal Democratic Party in Nara. James D.J. Brown, Associate Professor of Political Science at the Japan campus of Temple University, spoke to NPR about how the political culture of Japan will be impacted. It's charmingly old-fashioned the way that politics works before elections uh, in Japan. You have the the candidates who just go out and do stump speeches on street corners in front uh, of stations. Uh, They're standing there with no real visible uh, security and they uh, shake hands with ordinary voters, give speeches. Uh, I think all of that's going to change now that uh, there will be a sense that it's simply too dangerous perhaps to continue in that same way. Abe held the distinction of being Japan's longest serving Prime Minister, serving from 2006 to 2007, and again from 2012 through to 2020. As Frederick R. Dickinson, Professor of Japanese History at the University of Pennsylvania, outlined to Penn today, Abe is most associated with foreign policy and economic reforms in modern-day Japan. His first administration saw the establishment of the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue and the idea of a free and open Indo-Pacific, which successive administrations have maintained. Associate Professor Brown believes, however, that Abe's legacy lies elsewhere. I think it's the visibility of Japan. I mean, I remember Japan uh, in around sort of uh, 2010 or so. Really, Japan was being overlooked a lot. Despite remaining such a big economy, it just didn't feature in the international news that much. There was perhaps the attitude that uh, Japan's best days were, were behind it. And Abe, uh, despite um, you know his, his many critics, he certainly put Japan back on the map. He was very explicit in saying that he was determined that Japan would never be seen as a, a second-ranked country, and he really wanted to restore it to a place of prominence within international politics. And simply by remaining prime minister for so many years, he took some big steps towards that. Since the end of his administration, Abe continued to be a strong advocate of defence in response to the changing relationship with many of Japan's neighbouring states, specifically from China and Russia, as well as the historically sour relationship with North Korea. It is a complicated task, however, to disentangle Abe's foreign policy positions from the revisionism he advocated on a national stage. As the BBC reported at the time of his resignation in 2020, Abe had advocated for reforms denying the extent of Japanese atrocities during World War II in school books. As University of Connecticut history professor Alexis Dutton identified to the New Yorker, Abe is believed to have been in part behind an official parliamentary document arguing that the Nanjing massacre was fabricated, and deliberately denied the responsibility of the Japanese state with regard to the comfort woman's system. This may be in part due to his own personal legacy. Abe was the grandson of alleged war criminal, Manchukuo leader, and former Japanese Prime Minister Nobusuke Kishi. This would have played a role in defining Abe's personal relationship with China and South Korea in particular. Far more time than has passed will see how Abe's lasting legacy will sit, but as it stands today, his status as one of Japan's most popular Prime Ministers will forever be marred by his involvement in historical denialism and his off-stated need to clear his grandfather's name. Thanks for listening to Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.